Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 137. This episode is sponsored by Tandawai Rum, the world's largest rum producer and winner of over 170 international medals in the past four decades. Check out their webpage at tandawaiusa.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at tandawaiusa. This episode is sponsored by Heartland Hemp and Supply Company. All products are broad-spectrum, THC-free, organically grown, and made in the USA. And shipping is free on all orders. For more information, follow them on Instagram at hhsupplycompany or place your order today at heartland-hemp.com. This episode is brought to you by the Magic Zombie Glass, which turns your regular tiki cocktail into a potent voodoo potion that will raise the dead before your very eyes. Just pour a cold beverage into this authentic 13.5 ounce chimney style glass and a zombie will magically come to life. For only $20, each order comes with a Magic Zombie Glass and other exclusive collectible items only available through the Kickstarter campaign. This campaign ends on June 30th, so act fast. Head to Kickstarter now and search for the Magic Zombie Glass. Again, that's kickstarter.com and search for Magic Zombie Glass. Today we chat with Randy Avon and Nani Maka. Hosted by Tim Swanky Glasner, author of Maikai History and Mystery of the Iconic Tiki Restaurant. We recorded this episode from the Hukilau in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. For this session, we are joined by Randy Avon, son of Pualani Mossman, the face of Hawaii in the 1930s, who modeled for Matson's Navigation Company, starred in Song of the Islands, and was the inspiration for the song Lovely Hula Hands. And joining us on this episode is Nani Maka, one of the Maikai's original mystery girls, the lead dancer at Yankee Clippers Polynesian Room, and model for Bunny Yeager. Hear their iconic and historic stories of the early days of the Maikai, Hawaii, and the height of the Hapahali era, including the time that Randy witnessed Elvis Presley being taught how to sing the Hawaiian wedding song for the movie Blue Hawaii. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. And if you did, hit that subscribe button. Subscribing makes it easier for you to follow our adventures. Shares on your social media pages are always appreciated. And if you'd like to help support the show, go to DesertOasisRoom.com to pick up some merch or make a donation. This podcast does not survive without the help of its sponsors or its listeners. So every purchase or donation, no matter the size, is totally appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Okay, let's get into this. Here's our guest host, Tim Swanky Glasner, with Randy Avon and Nani Maka. Aloha, folks, and we are back with another episode of Inside the Desert Oasis Room. Today we have a special episode. I have Tim Swanky Glasner, the author of Maikai. Can you tell me the whole title? History and Mystery of the Iconic Tiki Restaurant. 
So Swanky is the authority when it comes to the history of the Maikai. He wrote the book. And I thought that it would be great to have him be our guest host today because we have two very important guests here. I, want, I don't want to steal your thunder, Tim, so I'm going to hand the microphone over to you, and I'm going to let you take over the show. So let's welcome our guest host, Tim Glasner, here, folks. All right. Thanks, Adrian. You know, Adrian asked me uh, a couple of days ago here at Hukilau, who's here that I, that I need on my podcast? And the, the easy answer was Randy Avon. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a setup, too, because uh, Randy's going to be at Tiki Oasis uh, later to do a presentation. And so uh, this is a little intro into Randy. Um, I, I've described Randy as, as at least one of the most interesting men in the world. But in the Tiki community, he's got more, more cred than probably any human being I know. Uh, the folks we think of, you know, Jeff Berry, Sven Kirsten, who've been researching this stuff, well, Randy was living it. His family is Hawaiian history. He is uh, Maikai history uh, rum. He's, he's got his hands in a lot of pots that we all uh, wish we could be a part of. And he grew up in an era that I idolize and in a place... <laughs> A place that I idolize, the Maikai, you know, so I'm very happy to have him as a, as a guest. And I'm going to take over for Adrian and ask a few questions. And we're going to introduce you to my good pal, I'm happy to say, Randy Avon. Good morning, sir. What a pleasure to see you again. And Nani Maka is here as well. Some of you have met her at uh, Tiki Oasis and other events. So I want to go backwards a little bit, uh, working back to... The, the big sub that you're going to talk about it at Oasis, but I want to talk about first um, a little bit about your history. You, you were uh, a, a representative for the state of Florida for a couple of terms, right? Yes, I was. I served four years in the Florida legislature, the only Hawaiian ever to serve in the Florida legislature before I uh, went into the Reagan administration. And you're the, uh, the, the driving force behind the Hawaii, Florida Hawaiian Civic Association. Uh, the, what the largest, the fastest growing, largest outside of Hawaii, right? Yes, it is. We uh, we began the Florida Hawaiian Civic Association about uh, ten years ago, and uh, it amazed me as as we grew it, and began doing events. That how many uh, not only Hawaiians were here because of military and then staying here, but because uh, part of the the rules were that you had to have the Aloha spirit in your heart. So anybody that had that spirit in their heart was eligible for membership in our Florida Wine Civic Association. And you do a big event in every year. The Makaha Sons have been there many times, right? And yes, we do. We have a, an annual luau. Uh, we have entertainers come in from Hawaii. We have uh, entertainers from, from Florida that live here that entertain at Disney and other places around Florida during the course of the year. And, of course, uh, Nani Maka, who is with us, is uh, one of the lead dancers uh, every time that we're there. And uh, so... Uh, you took over a job from Leon Spico, who was assistant manager at the Maikai from 57 to 67. He left to start his own restaurant, and he gave, handed over a job he had in 67, which was the uh, southeastern manager for Rums of Puerto Rico. Uh, talk a little bit about, about that tenure. Yeah, I, I enjoyed my time working for the rum industry. That was my last real job that I had. Uh, we... Uh, were deeply involved. Uh, the Maikai, of course, was using uh, Puerto Rican rum. Uh, we then uh, uh, created some 
some major fantasies with rum. We took them from people drinking rum and Coke into, be, into becoming the official drink in Atlanta for events when the Hyatt Regency opened with the, the Peach Daiquiri. And then I invaded uh, Churchill Downs, which is, of course, we're in the middle of the Triple Crown right now. When we went up there with, uh, with Joe Tannenbaum and Leonce and uh, a dozen Maikai girls, I asked them if they had any entertainment for the Kentucky Oaks on Friday for the sports writers that came in from all over the world, and they said no. And I said, well, we'd like to throw an event for them to honor them. And uh, we had the dozen Maikai girls serving Derby daiquiris up at Churchill Downs, where I was banned for life after that. But uh, we, uh, we got into, into 600 newspapers the next day with them talking about the Derby daiquiri, which was a cardinal sin in bourbon country. But we took uh, rum sales in Kentucky from 0% up to 14% in two years. And so you, one of your, your, your big customers and, and, and your, your home haunt, the Maikai, your, your mother ran the gift shop at the Maikai from about, what, 56 on into about 70, but for, for a very long time. And so you were part of that, and you, you literally grew up with uh, the Maikai as, as your, your home base, and you kind of had a, a great relationship where you could uh, skip the line and, and enjoy that place in its heyday when at a time also when you were able to, you know, I think you said something like, uh, well, your friends were drinking Mad Dog 2020, you're having Chateau Lafitte and <laughs> hobnobbing and, and living a high life in a time that most of us wish we could just enjoy a little bit. Well, it was really nice because my mom, uh, my mom being pure Hawaiian, uh, was was uh, one of the the top entertainers ever to come out of Hawaii. Uh, when they when they honored the six outstanding citizens, the Hawaii Legislature of the century, my mom was the only woman that was honored at that time, and she was uh, not only a world class hula dancer that the song "Lovely Hula Hands" was written for, uh, and and a major entertainer in New York City at the Hawaiian Room Lexington Hotel. But she was the face of Hawaii, and we're going to talk more about that at Hookie Lounge today and her 90-year history of, of bringing Hawaii to the mainland and then the rest of the world. Uh, so, so she had the largest store in Las Olas. The Maikai had opened. The Bob and Jack Thornton, who were the original owners of the Maikai, came to my mom and said, we would like you to run our gift shop because we have a gift shop that's there, and it's, it's not real successful, and we can barely get into your stores. You know, I was a youngster, 16, 17 years old. Mom had like 12 models, including Nani, Nani Maka working for her. So I was a volunteer there, all I could to go in, you know, to help out with uh, these women's dresses and, 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 and you know, being, being a caring son. <laughs> so when, uh, when mom went into the Maikai, uh, she said, we need to move the location. We need to do this over here. We need to make all these things happen. And, uh, and, and we're going to work out a, a nice rent deal. And uh, they made more money on rent the first year with mom than they had grossed the first two years that the Maikai was open. And yeah, it so grew. That, that agreement was, they got 10%, right? They got 10% of so, the gross. So and uh, they, 10% of what your mother sold was more than 100% of what they'd done before that. That is correct. And uh, so, so mom ran it. So we... Uh, I, I, again, being a caring son, would go in and help mom on like Friday nights to be able to go in there and work the early shift and, uh, you know, try to help greet some of the customers that came up, the ladies that wanted to buy perfume and try on sarongs. 
I was there as, as a youngster, and, and I had the, the good Fort Lauderdale ID that I can talk about now because the statute of limitations has run out. So even though I was only 17, I had a South Carolina driver's license that showed that I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you tell us about uh, celebrating your 21st. Uh, you, what you may not know is uh, if, if you're of a certain age, you remember a movie called Porky's. Uh, whether you saw it or not, you've heard of it because in well, my youth that was a big thing. But Porky's was based on somewhat based on a restaurant that was near the Maikai. It was like the place after the Maikai closed. That's where you went. It was a reputed. I think it, it was a kind of a mobster place. A lot of big names were there. I think Sinatra played there. Things like that. But Randy, you were a regular, and then uh, uh, you went to celebrate. Uh, you tell the story. Well, I had been going there for four years. I knew Porky Baines. I knew the, the all sides of Porky, including he and I serving on a PTA board together with our kids. And then the wild man that ran the restaurant that uh, when mom and dad would go in there, Porky would go into the safe and bring out the, the stuff they drank because the stuff that he poured at the bar kind of had already been uh, helped out a little bit with water and things like that for his regular customers. So when I went in there, I took in 20 of my best friends for my 21st birthday, and Porky came over and he said, hey, kid, that's what he used to call me. He said, how you doing? I said, great, Porky. I said, celebrate my birthday. He said, how old are you? I said, I'm 21 today. And after they resuscitated him, because I'd been a four-year customer, and the legal age was 21 at the time in Florida, uh, he ended up picking up our check for the night, and I think the temptations were there that night. Porky had every major entertainer went through that place. So we knew that he was kind of connected in some capacities. Yeah, he, he had a little pull. Uh, so, you know, you you were in and out of the Maikai. You, you, you grew up around the Maikai. Uh, but you grew into being more than just a customer. You were you were hobnobbing with with the clientele and and enjoying you know the celebrities and and any any stories particular i think you were you said you were there the night they the governor uh demanded the cut through get put in place was that yeah i was there after hours i spent a lot of really good time after hours with ed mcmahon and johnny carson and uh at this night governor claude kirk was there and uh, we were having an after-dinner drink, and he was uh, kind of uh, very interested in, in our, a lot of the personnel that worked there because he was the governor of all the people and uh, I guess more of the Maikai girls, you know, like, like not any other ladies that worked there. And so he had asked that some stay over after closing to be able to serve him. And Nani had served the mystery drink. She wasn't there that night, so she didn't enjoy this. And uh, uh, the governor says, if there's anything we could ever do for you, let us know. And Bob Van Dorp, who was the general manager at the time, said, well, people have to go like a full block all the way down to Porky's to turn around and get here. If we could get a cut closer to the Maikai, that would really be a good thing, Governor. He said, well, give me a phone. And, of course, that was before the days when all of us carried a portable phone in our pocket. So they brought over the house phone, and he called the Secretary of Transportation. And seven days later, there was a cut at the Maikai, which is still there today, to be able to turn in a lot easier. It, it makes things much more safe, and we all th have to thank Claude Kirk every day as we go to the Maikai and turn around to get into the entrance. It, there might have been some drinking involved, but, it, well, you know. I, I, you know, I, this is off topic here, but Claude Kirk is, is a legend. I, I've, I've spent hours with Jack Drury talking about Claude Ooh. Kirk, and I can tell any of those stories. But... Uh, what was your relationship with, with, with the governor? No, oh, it was very close. He was our 
our, our first uh, Republican governor ever, or at least back back to the 1800s. And uh, he went in there. He was kind of flamboyant. He had a Brazilian kind of. uh, girlfriend who you know was runner up the Miss Universe con- competition. And I often teased him. I said, you know, you, you should have stayed for the best rather than you know taking the, you know, the runner up. So we had that kind of friendship and relationship. Uh, he basically begged me to run for the legislature, and I told him that, you know, I, I, I wasn't ready to go do those things yet, which I was shortly thereafter and did. But uh, he, was a, he was a really good governor. They, they didn't understand him. He didn't understand them. You know, it's almost like we have now with our president. They don't understand him, and he, comes, he keeps cutting deals that everybody goes, what happened? And Claude Kirk was the same a, way. He's a real outsider. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he had one term. They, that's when we amended the Constitution of Florida, and they, they were terrified that he'd be reelected. And, and now there's only Republicans that win the governor's seat in Florida. So we're going to go back and talk about your family now, because that's, uh, you know, I, Ray, Adrian has a connection through Hukilau. Uh, he probably doesn't know remember but uh, 2004 the year of the hurricane randy's mother came on stage and performed uh, lovely hula hands and a couple of so he was there that you that's the first time you saw randy when you so you you saw his mother there and uh that was a special moment for all of us we had no idea what was going on we all came went home and started you know searching around on the internet it's like oh my gosh this lady she's she's she is Hawaii, you know. Um, so your grandfather, George Mossman, uh, born on Kauai, uh, and he, he was a ukulele maker. Uh, he looks sort of a multi-talented person, but he saw that the Hawaiian culture was slipping away, and he wanted to do something about it. So he started Lalani Village on the beach at Waikiki, and I guess this was... 29 30 somewhere in there yes and it was a and it set a standard that we sort of live by today that the, the maikai is a part of where it's uh cultural tourism uh where he he was bringing all of the best knowledgeable people of the culture for chant for hula for uh, making huts and everything else to teach other people and to keep the culture alive but he was also entertaining tourists and having a luau where they would perform and share their culture just like we do at the Maikai now you know they come out and they do the show and they share their culture with the tourists and it's it's a sort of this standard that Polynesia has embraced everywhere but it was your your grandfather who who started that and uh is and also the the first school to teach the Hawaiian language. Yeah, my granddad was quite a man. Uh, He's been honored all over the place in the Hawaiian Islands. Uh, Lalani Hawaiian Village, they occupied the entire block where the Marriott Hotel now sits from from Kalakaua over back to Kohio. Kulivai Maka, who was the last chanter for for, uh, King Kalakaua, was a chanter at the Lalani Hawaiian Village. My mother was teaching hula from the age of 12, and uh, when she was 15, 
She became like a local star in every way. She ended up being the first poster girl for the Matson line. There are 17 full, uh, full color ads of her in Life Look and National Geographic that I'm going to display today at the Hookie Lao. And, uh, and Mom made the first color movie made in the Hawaiian Islands, the Song of the Islands, that uh, became quite a classic. She was uh, beckoned to New York to be the lead uh, dancer at the, the Lexington Hotel. Mom was the last solo hula dancer ever in, at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel. And they honored her on their, on their 60th birthday and told the world that her pictures are still throughout the halls of the Royal Hawaiian Hotel. So Mom just became a part of Hawaii in every way. She was on Broadway. She was in Walter Winchell's column uh, uh, over 40 times, and, and she was a star in New York, uh, and she was young. My Uncle George Kaina Powell uh, took her over and said, Pulani, you'll be okay. I'm your uncle. I'll take care. You'll be safe in New York. And she was 17 when she went up there to begin her professional hula uh, career in, in New York City. So she, she, it was George there at the beginning, not Ray Kinney. She toured with Ray Kinney later. Yeah, yeah, Ray Kinney was there. Ray Kinney was there. But Uncle George, who was the uh, falsetto, falsetto voice that made the, the Hawaiian wedding song popular, he taught Elvis Presley uh, in Blue Hawaii how to do the Hawaiian wedding song on Kauai. Uh, I was there when that happened. It was quite an experience watching my uncle teach Elvis Presley how to, how to do a song. And, and Elvis did a really nice job with it. But uh, Uncle George's uh, song of that is still a classic in Hawaii. So you, it, you're the whole family, the whole Mossman family was involved with with the show with Alani Village, and then your mother uh, became the star in, in, of that, and and uh, was traveled the country, did a lot of great things, and then she eventually settled down here in, in Florida with raising the family, and that's how you know she had what the the largest store in Los Olas. Tell us what. People don't know what Las Olas Boulevard is here in Fort Lauderdale. So Las Olas is like Worth Avenue in Palm Beach. It now has 16 restaurants in it that you can't get in. Uh, one of the, the ironies there of Las Olas Boulevard uh, is that uh, some history there about 40 years ago, they were going to build a high-rise bridge over Las Olas Boulevard, and the Fort Lauderdale JCs uh, let a drive down here with petitions to not do that, to dig the first tunnel. And uh, they, they got a petition uh, initiative done, and they built a tunnel. So Las Olas would not be what it is today without that. And now it is, it is the spot, most expensive rent in South Florida for, for uh, retail. And Mom had uh, the largest store there in Las Olas. The last store, Moss and Hoffman, that was there, is now gone. So that's, it's, it's a different era today than it was then. If you're if you're here for Hukilau or whatever, I I advise you to head over to was the the Floridian, the little diner there. It's a classic place. You, uh, Johnny Carson's picture there with Sally Sewell and the Maikai girl, and it's it's great great just environment. Love that place. So so while we won't be on the air, and and this story that I'm about to tell, and they're one of the secrets of the Maikai. It's about Nani Maka. Nani Maka was one of the original uh, Mystery Bowl girls, and uh, when she was in there, Bob Thornton, who was one of the original owners, uh, Nani was knocking him dead uh, for three months. You, you were Mystery Bowl girl? Three months. And Bob Thornton took her in the back office and said, Nani, I need to speak with you. And she said, yes, sir. And she said, he said to her, uh, let me ask you a question. And Nani's one of those people in your life that won't lie to you no matter how important it is. He said, how old are you? 
she sat there and froze and said, 15. And he says, do you realize that I'm serving alcoholic beverages in here and you're my star and you're effectively fired immediately, but I hope that maybe at some point you can be one of our dancers here at the Maikai, but I can't have you serve another drink in here. So he fired her. And that secret is not known by anybody until this minute. Wow. Someone came in from the other coast and uh, knew how old I was and went to went to Bob and said, do you know how old that girl is that's serving your mystery drink? And that was it. Oh, I was devastated. I loved the job. <laughs> well, you, you join a fine, long list of girls who have been fired yes. from the mic for being <laughs> underage. That's right. <laughs> uh, and Angel, uh, who will be here later, uh, was one of my favorites. Her her uh, boyfriend was just jealous and uh. called the police. And they dr- they dragged her out in her mystery outfit. And, you know, she's platinum blonde, so she's got the big wig on. Oh and the, oh, God, I wish I had that, that booking photo. <laughs> but Bob and Jack Thornton went to the to the police station and bailed her out and, and took care of her. They weren't, you know, they... They weren't mad about it, you know, they weren't happy about it, but they, they you know, they, it's like family, you know. Well, I went with my mom to, uh, when I was hired, and we said that I was, uh, my mom told them that I was uh it was 18, 18 then, yeah. Yes, 18, and uh, Bob said, well, we could work that out with the, the police. 21, you look you look older, so anyhow, that was fine, but he, uh, we obviously had lied, and I was really 50. She was there with me every night, so. <laughs> yeah, and apparently somebody from Clearwater High School that recognized you said, wait a minute, she's in it's class with one of my daughters uh, over at the... <laughs> <laughs> You were born in Honolulu, right? Yes. And uh, I was actually born there. See, my birth certificate from Hawaii is with Kapi'olani, and it's the correct address. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. Can we see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. Okay. We'll take your word for it, Donnie. He says you don't lie. <laughs> That's right. No, I was really born there. <laughs> and my grandfather was one of the, the uh, one of the largest beneficiaries, uh, and his estate uh, continued that at Kapi'olani, and also with the University of Hawaii. Uh, he was a major uh, benefactor uh, for you know for everything in Hawaii, and it was really interesting because mom, you know, never got out of the system. When we had entertainment here at the Broward Center of the Performing Arts, we would have some of the big entertainers come in. Uh, Makaha Sons and uh, Jake, yeah, Jake, Jake, yep. And no matter who we had here, and then we had uh, uh, George Kahamuku Jr. Mom always opened the show, and and then and this is continued until she danced till she was ninety, and uh, she was co-chairman of the statehood committee for Hawaii uh, back when Hawaii was going to be the 49th state, and that is a story unto itself that I told before the Hawaii legislature a few years ago when I was their their speaker about uh, the 49th, how the 49th became the 50th state with a deal in the U.S. Senate. One of the deals, one of the many deals that I know about was uh, that uh, mom had Harry Truman, uh, when Harry Truman was president of the United States, play the piano for her as she entertained six U.S. senators trying to sell on statehood for Hawaii. I, uh, she had them roll around their, their, their suit coats and roll up their pants, and she taught them the hula. 
kind of like Nani did all the years that she danced at either at the Mica or the Polynesian Room, the Yankee Clipper Hotel. So the the you're 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 involved in a lot of business. You still do a lot of business in in Hawaii and and are there very regularly. Uh, you you said something of the day. You were you've got your hands in a lot of fires, like you were talking about getting a statue of Don Ho. You mentioned that your your mother was uh, honored as a, a legend of Hawaii and, and every county. I'm, I'm, I remember you tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and she was. Uh, Mom would go back to Hawaii, and it's funny because she was in her 80s, so she would entertain at these senior homes, and she would show her movie, The Song of the Islands, and tell the story from back then, and then get these, these elderly people up who were all younger than her and say, come on, come on, let's go, girls. Let's get up here, let's dance. And she'd have 50 people up there dancing. After she did it twice, she ended up doing it at the major auditoriums on Maui and Kauai and the Big Island. And uh, uh, it was uh, it was quite a, a uh, media event. And uh, each of the county councils then honored her with, uh, with uh, honorary membership in their respective counties. And then the Hawaii legislature, of course, at the turn of the century, at the millennium, honored her as one of their five outstanding or six outstanding citizens of the century. So you, you were friends with Bob Endorp when he was here, um, Leonce Pico, and he was system manager of the Maikai and then, then started the Down Under with uh, Al Kokab and uh, VA Maison and, some, and Knob Hill in San Francisco. Uh, you were regular at some of those places. Yeah, at House Accounts at all of them. Leon's is probably the finest restaurateur uh, ever, other than, of course, my friends from the Maikai. But Leon's was brilliant at what he did. He had really great restaurants around Fort Lauderdale, then in, and then in Monterey, and then in San Francisco. And uh, and he just, uh, he absolutely was a great restaurateur, good friend of mine. Bob Van Dorp, uh, bless his soul, was a good friend of mine also. Uh, you know, when you said that I grew up in Lauderdale, I, I've never grown up. That's the only difference here is that <laughs> I've gotten older, but I haven't grown up yet, as, as Nani can attest we're, we're, to. We're, you know. we're all still waiting, but <laughs> we hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're excited to be here. This is going to be an interesting event. Uh, you always do a really nice job putting putting this together. When you captured uh, the book about the Maikai, you really, you, you really found out things that other people uh, didn't know about it because everything was so guarded and there was such a, a change in the Maikai and there's still a lot of uh, Maikai secrets that are out there that I'm not going to divulge, even though I told you one today. But uh, the Maikai is still here. It opened in, in, in 1956. Nani was the dancer there for their 60th anniversary, the lead dancer. And, uh, and it's still open in 2019 through a lot of uh, really dedicated uh, friends of the Maikai and others that, that have been there when Maikai was challenged. Uh, but uh, but the, dream, the dream lives on, and there's not many Polynesian restaurants that are still left and operating around the world, particularly with the success of the Maikai. Well, you're of the generation and of the means that you were able to, you, you could go to San Francisco's Trader Vic's in the heyday and, and traveled all over and, and actually could can attest to uh, the qualities of, of Don the Beachcomber, Chicago, some of those places that you were there uh, and, and at the Maikai. So. Trader Vic's, uh, I mean, at the, at the Plaza Hotel uh, and then in Chicago. Yeah, I, I did about 100 Polynesian restaurants over the years because uh, I just had this thing about Hawaii and loving it and going, wow, let's see who's got the best Mai Tai. 
And one of the things they had in the Molokai, I mean in the other bar, the Molokai bar was just a little bar up front. The, the back bar, the Surfside bar, was the, was the great bar at the Maikai. And they had this deal in there. If you drank every drink in the Maikai, they would stamp your little card, and then you would get uh, you would get a plaque and get your name up there and all that. Well, I accomplished that, and uh, I was still underage at the time, so it was sixteen. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm kidding. You know, yeah, the, the law changed in Florida at exactly the wrong time. It changed from eighteen to twenty-one when I turned eighteen, and uh, so one of the things that I'll kid about, I'll tell you this fun story here, is that. I've just had the knee surgery, I've had back surgery, so I'm totally bionic now. So I've gone back to my guy that did my false ID that when I was 17 he made me 21, and now I've rolled my age back with him, getting the same South Carolina driver's license, so I'm now 59. Yeah, so so none of these memories we're talking about I actually live because I'm too young. I'm about to catch up with you. That's that's scary. Yeah, I can, I can introduce you to the guy while you're here. I'd like to be 49, how about that? If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. This podcast reaches thousands of listeners in over 100 countries every week. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly T-Shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit TikiBarTshirtClub.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Steadfast Pomade. Steadfast Pomade is a strong-holding, medium-bodied, water-based styling product for men and women, which leaves your hair looking slick, neat, and shiny with a clean, fresh scent. Its unique formula allows you to easily restyle your hair throughout the day and washes out with ease. Steadfast Pomade is American-made and veteran-owned, available in original and anchor hold. Get yours today at SteadfastPomade.com. Tame the waves and keep it steadfast. So Nani, I'm gonna I'm gonna bug you now a little bit, uh, because you you have this history as well. You you were a performer at the Yankee Clipper and all over South Florida, and you worked with uh, Bob Van Dorp's uh, wife's Greta. sister, uh, Greta. Greta. Yes. Um, worked with her. Poor Nani. Yes. Kui Lee. Kui Lee. Did you work with him? Yes, I did. Worked with Kui Lee at the Roni Plaza. In Miami Beach, we they had a uh, volcano built, and uh, so we worked there together. Uh, we worked in Palm Beach at the uh, Samoa restaurant, and um, and Randy and I and Kui um, used to sit uh, in the and Tamio Tamio worked with me originally, and uh, we would make. Lays for my show and also for um, everybody his, at the Maikai with his moms at the gift shop. So uh, we all would sit on the floor uh, in the morning around 10 or 11 and put all these lays and very various costumes and so shells. So you were, you were trained as a, a Hawaiian dancer and then you yes. came here as a young girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. 
So uh, Bob Endorf told me this story, I, I, or maybe it was, and and Leos as well. And I don't I haven't ever asked you guys if you have a memory of uh, they'd hired Kui Lee to uh, entertain people waiting in line at the Mai Kai. Do you remember that? At all? I don't really remember Cooey being there, uh, but I do. I remember it's been my three, three or four months. Uh, we're cut yeah, Cooey Lee, Cooey Lee stayed at my parents' home for a year, uh, and it was during that time period that uh, Cooey wrote, "I'll remember you." And uh, so, Cooey used to make uh, coconut hats for the people waiting in line at the Maikai to get in, and I do remember that uh, vividly. And, of course, Kui Lee was one of the greatest songwriters in Hawaii history, and uh, Makaha Sons do his song, The Best, I'll Remember You. But we had uh, we had Don Ho's version of it, as Don was part of our family. And so Don did that. And one of the funny stories with, with Don, not, not to steal your momentum here, is that Mom, the song Lovely Hula Hands was written for my mother. So Don didn't perform Lovely Hula Hands. So every time we would go to Hawaii, Mom would go out there and she's the first cousin with Don Ho and say, Don, you got to learn how to do Lovely Hula Hands. He says, Pool Lani, I, you know, she says, you've got to learn how to do that. And so the first time that he did that song ever, Mom danced for him. And so every time we went to Hawaii, Mom would get up on the stage with Don and dance Lovely Hula Hands. Well, Nani now is flown in around the world to do two songs, Lovely Hula Hands and the Hawaiian Wedding Song. And uh, she is she now has picked up a lot of that mantle and uh, and carries a lot of moms. She does the old hula, so she carries a lot of that into the current. When she goes out to Hawaii and dances, the current dancers come out on the stage and are blown away by the way she dances the hula. She has lovely hands, Thank too. Thank you. Mahalo. Thank you. When I was uh, visiting uh, Bob Van Dorp, his daughter was telling us the story that uh Cooey Lee and Bob were, were good friends and um Cooey would sort of bounce things off of Bob and he had this new song that he was like trying to figure out if 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 he wanted to bring it into the show and have Don do it or, and it was Tiny Bubbles so he played it for Bob Van Dorp and Bob said oh that's stupid it's terrible it's like <laughs> An awful song. It's just, he, and Cooey said, "Well, thanks, Bob. If you hate it, it's going to be a hit." Ah, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. <laughs> so, thanks to Bob Van Dorp and his kind of nerdiness or whatever highbrow, we have. Cooey used to uh, uh, imbibe a little bit in rum, and sometimes prior to our show, uh, and of course he did the fire knife and so forth. But uh, there were four of us. Uh, dancing and at the finale we would all go by we're doing Tahitian and then he would take a bow but as we went by him uh, we had coconut bras that tied in the back and he would pull the strap as we went by and so we all ended up we couldn't raise our arms to do anything just holding the coconuts kind of in place the best we could now, was his wife a part of the show or, or what <laughs> No, <laughs> no. Do you, do, do you still have those coconuts? Or okay, this this is yeah. This is this is a, a P, I, PG rated interview. So I, we, we I, have I to. love it. I, I outgrew the coconuts. So <laughs> I was very young. Well, good, good for all of us. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're all still here. And you know, I, I it's the small circle of performers. You know, I I start talking to someone 
uh, you know, uh, uh, Chief Falia. Falia, And he tells me stories. I'm like, oh, well, that person. It's like all of the YM performers knew each other and crossed paths. And Mm -hmm. that having Kui Lee and that's another thing. But I guess I'm going to circle back and we're going haywire here. But you have a lot of relatives that I think our listeners would would know um rattle off a little bit of your family well we talked about george kainapau the golden voice of hawaii yes and of course uh don ho uh one of my proudest uh uh uh, relatives is boyd mossman Uh, boyd mossman served as the chief justice in uh in maui and then served uh, a term on uh, the oha board uh so we're very proud of him uh kimo kahawano is my cousin and uh is, uh, is is still a big entertainer in the Hawaiian Islands and uh, even dances the men's hula, the naughty hula, better than I do. But uh, <laughs> but I'm very careful who sees that and and, and what we do with that. So uh, it, it's uh, the the Mossman family goes very deep and 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 all different sides of my family. There's, we still have family uh, throughout the Hawaiian Islands. Uh, we get back and visit them on uh, the Big Island. And on, on uh, uh, even Lanai and uh, Molokai. Sterling Mossman uh, everywhere. the Barefoot Bar. Yeah, Sterling. But Sterling Mossman was a classic out there. Sterling, Sterling that was, the, that was the, the last bar, really, that was on the ocean there. The, the Queen Surf, uh, the Barefoot Bar at the Queen Surf. And I went out there when I was 18 years old, and I just met Sterling then. I didn't know him up till that point. And I went in to see his show the first night, and the place was about 80% women. And I like that a lot, so I wanted, I wanted to, because he's my family, I wanted to go there every night and, 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 and support his efforts. So about the third night there. I'm seeing a pattern here. About Has the, it changed? About the, about the third night there, Sterling says to me, he says, I, I have a special cousin here from Fort Lauderdale, big singer on the mainland. Randy, you want to get up here and do a couple songs for the ladies and all that? I said, no, I'm not entertaining while I'm here tonight, because I appreciate that. And that, that was really good. That worked out really nice uh, for the rest of my stay there. So. And I never did sing because I can't. <laughs> uh, uh, Alfred Apaka is, is a relative of yours? No, Alfred's not. But, uh, but, but you know, the, the, we, we can go back through, through many generations where we can find out where he was. Because you know, Hawaii's a small town. And uh, the, the interrelationships and relations there are run really deep. And of course, everybody is a, is a, a cousin or a brother in some capacity, but uh, we weren't actually related to Alfred Apaka. But boy, was he a great entertainer, and he's been honored at the, the Hilton Hawaiian Village with a great statue there. And he, Again, he was the Hapahali singer, you know. The you know, you you've got the chance to, to see these people that we only hear on records and wish we could have seen. You know, um, tell me about uh, Walt Disney. Interesting scenario with Walt Disney. When I was like uh, uh, a young teenager living in Coral Gables, my grandfather came in there to visit us, and he had another old man with him. And, of course, I was just worried about going out that night because I like to go out dancing. The used to go out, and he brings us. Sterling should ask you to dance. He brings this older man in to meet me. And, and this guy is like from Fantasyland. He's telling stories about how they're going to build this thing in Orlando. And there's going to be trains that run between hotels. And my grandfather was working to, because they wanted one of the original destinations to be from Hawaii because of, of the Lani Hawaiian village. 
And so, you know, he, I, I he visited Lilani, right? Oh yeah, yeah, many times. And so, uh, so I sat there and went like, man, this is like totally off the wall. You know, I got to get out of here. You know, Grandpa, great seeing you. And that's the first time I met Walt Disney. Uh, and uh, it was like, uh, then I watched as I as I got a little older, and I'm going, wow, I, I knew all that before that. People are going, yeah, right. But. Uh, uh, my my grandfather also was deeply involved in a lot of the pre-drawings for the Polynesian Cultural Center, and he was heavily involved with Walt Disney. And unfortunately, passed before before it it opened. And boy, uh, Disney World is kind of uh, kind of successful these days. I've I've heard of that place. I've got to get over there. You know. It <laughs> so you're going to be at Tiki Oasis uh, doing a talk about your your grandfather about about what are you going to be doing yeah they're doing they're doing a major feature there on my my family hawaiian family uh they'll they're going to show mom's movie and then i'm going to talk about lalani hawaiian village and the history go into a little little deeper than what we are here about some of the other things that we've been involved with in foundations and much more and then uh and then I'm, I'm not going to get up and do the hula there, but uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, be a part of Tiki Oasis. And uh, it's really, really an impressive gathering, as is Hukilau. Uh People come from, from 22 nations uh, to, to Tiki Oasis, and, and, and I'm sure they enjoy that same kind of uh, support here. But it's, uh, it's an amazing event that, uh, that goes on every, every August in, in San Diego, which is a really nice place to visit anytime. You uh, uh, were telling me about, uh, I don't know if you want to, I think you probably are fine with, uh, there was a group, Bob Mendorp, when I talked to him, he says, uh, ask Randy about the CFs. And that's all he said. (laughs) Well, as I said, this is a good PG radio show here. And uh, the CFs, uh, we we called ourselves the... uh, the cultural fanatics, which really wasn't the real name, and uh, we would have uh, parties that uh, we utilized the Maikai serving personnel. Uh, Leon's uh, rest Again, his you're soul such a was a caring person about the yeah yeah girls. and uh, <laughs> and and we we invited some of those people over and Fort Lauderdale was you know where where the boys are was made and then all of a sudden we had this infusion of, of women that came down here looking to where the boys were and being a chamber of commerce person as i as i've always been i was trying to help these visiting tourists feel welcome in our community so i started this organization with a group of about 20 guys that had the same spirit in their heart and we had parties about five nights a week at this uh, event and you had a you all sort of chipped in on a a place. Yeah, we we had we had a, a two bedroom that we made into a four bedroom because one night when we were all drinking pretty heavily, we took out a pickaxe and made a, a crawl space to be able to get into the rest of it. And the lady that owned the place was there, and we had we had gotten her feeling really good. And she actually took about the fourth swing. She says, well, hell, if it's going to happen. And so the, the, uh, the boys at the Maikai attended uh, some of my parties. And that was before they had an oceanfront place. 
And that's when we shifted from this place after we paid for the rebuilding of the wall. We shifted our activities to their ocean front. And that's just another story that's not going to be told. Well, so this sounds like this is another trend. You were, you were, t- you, I, I don't remember whether you or Bob were telling me that you were, uh, you ha- had apartments in the same building, but that were back to back and, uh, you know, got tired of, of going t- to the other place to get ice or, you yeah, know, the story. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's, that's how the hole got there. So and, you just, and, let's just. Let's just have a pass through here. <laughs> but we were we were young and wild then, you know. Now now I'm you know older, more refined, and th- these memories are slipping away. So uh, they, I can't recall some of it. <laughs> Senator, I have no recollection. <laughs> I I asked Leon Spico, uh, uh, can you? I did a long interview with him, and then I knew my last question was going to be. So Randy and and Bob were telling me about the CF. So what what is your memory of that? And he says. I don't remember anything about the CFs. <laughs> yes, very good. That probably should be my answer, but I have no idea. But the statute of limitations about. has run out, and all those those women are happily married back in Ohio now, so so it's good. And you know, it it as I talk to some, it, it's funny to me. It's it's great for me as a you know historian and and interviewers. Some the stories that you probably wouldn't have shared. 30 years ago folks are like this is some of the great times of my life you know I, I have no regrets this is <laughs> you, you've shared you know I edit the stories I've heard a lot of stories that I'm glad I heard them it gives me a lot of context but the you know the 60s were a great time to to be young and 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 free and yeah, they they really were. And one of the nice things about mom owning the gift shop and me getting to know all the personnel at the Maikai pretty well. And the Maikai back then had like, uh, since some point in time, uh, like an hour and a half wait. Uh, the Maikai had a dress code. You, you had to have a coat and tie to get in. Uh, now you have to have, have at least beach, beach attire to get in. So, so that, that, that part has changed. And there were, there were movie stars waiting out front to get in because nobody got in. And I would pull in and, and see the parking lot kid, and he would pick up the phone and call inside. And a minute later, the thing is, Mr. Avon, your table's ready. And I go, yes. And we walk right in. And so, so it was good when you're 19 to be able to do that in a restaurant that, that was one of the top restaurants in the United States. Yeah, there would be, what, you know, 50, 100 people waiting behind the velvet ropes, and you'd show up with a young, impressionable friend. And uh, and just waltz right in, right? I have no recollection of the impressionable friend. <laughs> and the Maikai had the, their own credit system, right? They not a credit card, but you'd have like a house account. Like uh, it, yeah. very interesting part of that story. The, the Maikai when it opened, and then when Mom got in there, took no credit cards. So you had to pay by cash. And this was back a long time ago when that was you know that. I mean, American Express was brand new, and Diners was brand new, and Carte Blanc was brand new. And so Mom set up a deal with uh, with Andy, who was the maitre d', and Bob Van Dorp, and the Thorntons, uh, that uh, she would cash their check at the gift shop. So people come over, Pulani, I understand that, that I, I can cash my check here for you. She says, sure. I do it for all my customers, uh, uh, you know. And so Mom... Hang on n- for a moment and look around, shop. right? Yeah. I mean, one of my fun stories is... Mom, mom basically put together with somebody else 
uh, she represented Kahala. She had all the Kahala line exclusive for Florida. So she she saw one of the Kahala bathing suits and a sarong. She said, we got to combine this. And so she had a designer go out and design for her a a sarong uh, and and match bathing suit. So we'd be in the Maikai, and the first young, beautiful lady that went by that was probably there with her uncle that night, uh, Mom would say, excuse me, young lady. He says, my, my model didn't show up tonight, and you're a perfect eight. Would you do me a favor? Can you try this on for me while you're in the ladies' room? So... The young lady would go into the ladies' room. Mom would go with her and talk to her. Oh, my God, you look beautiful in this. I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. You go out and show this to your to your escort husband or whatever, and as you are, and I'll give it to you as, as, a, as a, my gift. And so now they would go back out and come back in. Of course, there's no fashion show at the Maikai until Mom got there, and, and, and never, there never was an official fashion show. So this young lady go out and come back, and the next thing you know, there's six other guys. They're going up the the thing that went by, and then when uh, when they went in, we used to, as 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 Donnie was saying, we used to make wood fiber lace, and my brother and I would compete. I could make 50 on a given day, and that gave me a buck a lay to be able to go out and have a little spending money, and so mom sold these wood fiber lays in there for four dollars, and. People would come over, and once you give one to them, she'd say, oh, well, here, let me give you this. You bought some of this here, and let me put some of that our cologne on it from Hawaii. And so they'd go back in the restaurant, and here there are 600 poor other guys sitting there with their dates, spending the same amount of money as the guy that's sitting over there with the one with the lay on. And mom would be on the phone back to the house going, I need another 100 lays right away. And then the, the perfume that was on there, where, where was that from? Well, my mom and dad uh, made their own perfume and cologne. And so mom was the most entrepreneurial person I've ever seen. The other side of her, of her hula dancing, she was just an absolutely unbelievable entrepreneurial person and an investor. My mom bought land in places that my dad passed out. When she says, yeah, we bought some land that's between the intercoastal and the ocean up in Fort Pierce. He said, where is Fort Pierce? It'll be something really big. And they're, they're, see, it's, it's, it's an area called Manalapan now. And I think there's a, a multi-million dollar homes and a Ritz-Carlton right nearby where mom got that land. And she had those kind of deals all over the place. And she, dad would ask her, honey, we, we, we can't afford this. You know, we're raising five kids and we got this going on. Four kids, excuse me. And and I read five kids, and and and, and, and he tell the story. Mom, and mom would say, "Well, I, I would, you know, I'd take like thirty dollars a night out of the, the side and put it over here." She says, I, "I always reported it for for the Thorntons, but I didn't actually bring the thirty home for the count because you never double checked my count." And so I just put that into a slush fund and I paid cash for that land up there. Dad would go, "Wow," but that was my mom. She's a remarkable woman. And. Even at, at, at that time, she was still performing, right? So you, you had to, like a, you were on the TV show locally. And Everywhere, Every, I mean, she had her own TV show down here in the in the fifties, the Alec Gibson show. She entertained on WTVJ Channel Four when when that was the only channel down here. And but mom entertained every minute. I took mom and dad on major trips around the world because I had done I'd become very successful in my businesses. And we would go into airports. I don't care where we were, whether it was London or Paris or, or Stockholm. And, and mom would go to the, the boarding gate and say, anybody here ever been to Hawaii? Raise your hand. And three or four people says, okay, you and you and you, get up now. 
we're going to show the rest of these people how the hula is done. And, and we put on a little music, and she get up there and teach people how to do the hula in airports and everywhere. One of the other things my mom did that we talked about at her funeral that was attended by a thousand people was when I would go to Hawaii, mom say, go out to the, the, the international, not the international marketplace, but to the Aloha Stadium, because mm -hmm. they've got the thing out there, and bring me back 10 gross of those little puka shell lays. I go, what? And she used to do this and embarrassed me a lot as a kid. She would go out every day of her life with 20 of these on her. And every place she saw somebody, whether it was a cleaning girl, whether it was Denny's here, whether it was picking up this or doing that, she said, I'm going to give you a lay from Hawaii to give you love into your life and make you feel better today. So I'm from Hawaii, I'm Pualani, and that's for you. So when mom died, we had people lined up. People flew in. Her obituary was on the front page of the Honolulu Advertiser in Bulletin, sorry, Bulletin. People flew in from all over the world, and people got up telling stories about... I've had this lay for 50 years. Your mother gave it to me, and the one lady got us all. She said, my son had died the day before, and I was, I was in the worst moment of my life, but I had to go to work because I had to work because I had to pay for the funeral. And I met your mom that day, and she changed my life. And I flew in from Chicago to be at this funeral because I saw her obituary. So that's the way mom touched people's lives, and she lived that spirit of aloha every minute of her life till she was 90 and she was still entertaining at 90. It, it, that performance at the Hukula is what brought you and I together through this. It's funny. I, I was talking to uh, uh, DeSoto Brown at the, at the Bishop museum and we were talking about you and, and I said, yeah, I have this crazy story about how I met Randy. And he says, I've got a crazy story about how I'm Randy, and it's like, does everybody have a crazy story about that? You're like the center of the synergy of, of, of Hawaiian research, and it's, it, when I, you know, if it wasn't for that night, the, this whole area of my research would have just not happened, and I'm so happy that I was able to find you, and, and that you are still, you know, very involved with, with telling your mother's story. It, you you i is there's more is there uh, you talked about a a, a film or, or is something like that going on or or is this just yeah they're doing they're doing a story of my mom's life uh i've met with uh with with the artists producers and everything and it's still it's still a secret but they're doing the story of her life and uh there's major support uh uh from from hawaii and and corporate sponsors and all uh, Matson is uh, is deeply interested in it, of course, because they're still very, very active. I'll never forget the day that I had mom in Hawaii. I'll tell another story about John Wahei when John was governor of Hawaii. I get called into 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 John's office, and I was there with uh, Moki Kealoha, and Moki was a legend in Hawaii, cabinet official in several administrations, and John Wahei, who was a friend. He says, Randy, tell me, tell me something. I just learned that your mother is Pualani Mossman, Avon. Is that true? I said, yeah. He said, I'll hold my breath and say, is she still alive? I said, Governor, she's still alive, and she's landing with my dad in three hours in Honolulu. He goes, oh, my God, get me the flight information. So I said, okay. So I get him the flight information. I go to the airport to meet Mom. And, of course, this is long before 9-11 when you could actually – go out to the gates and do everything and so I go out there and I look up and there's Governor Wahei and the Royal Hawaiian Band at the gate waiting to meet mom 
Now, this is the maddest mom that was ever at me in her life because I didn't alert her so she could get all dolled up, you know, after her 15 hours of flying from Fort Lauderdale all in. And, and so she gets off the plane, and I'd flown them first class always. And so she, she and Dad are first ones off, and the Royal Hawaiian Band starts playing lovely hula hands, and the governor's there with lays and all that. And I'm like, and Mom's looking at me like, you did this? I'm going, Mom, <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. I just told Moki Kealoha, who told the governor, and that was a, quite a visit they had in Hawaii. That, so, so there's just a ton of those stories that are out there, and you, you trigger some of them in me because of, of our friendship and relationship. And, uh, and, and I, now I guess I can tell another secret on, on you because one of the things that, that I had, one of my best friends in the Maikai was, was the, the original mix master, Mariano, and then his team, this chief uh, uh, right right hand lieutenant was Phil, and Phil and I were best friends, and that's how I got all the recipes for all the drinks in the Mai Kai. And I've only shared them with one person in my life, and I'm sitting next to him right now. It's this gentleman here, so he now has all the recipes for all the drinks at the Mai Kai. Yeah, so the, when I first went to interview Randy, we this is. I don't want to tell the long story. The short story is he has a place uh, in outside of Asheville, North Carolina, just about an hour and a half from my house. So I didn't know who he was, but he says, let's get together and talk. So he come, he's invites me to his uh, cabin chateau, whatever you want to call it. And uh, my, my offering was I brought a crate full of make stuff to make any of the drinks on the Mai Kai menu. Right. And I'm going to make drinks and he's going to tell stories and we're going to, we, we end up talking like all night. But, uh, so I, I, I said, you know, what do you, what do you want? I can, I can make anything except the black magic. I don't have the recipe for that. Nobody has the recipe. He says, I do. <laughs> so I, I keep talking. And then he says, I said, I, you know, anything but the black magic he says, I've got the recipe and there's this piece of paper, a folded up piece of notebook paper. And he says here. And I'm like, speechless you know <laughs> here it is this is way before any leaks of the recipe were anywhere and anybody had seen it it was still top secret information and i'm like here it is <laughs> and he says oh and that mariano wrote those for me so it's in mariano liquidini's wow. handwriting wow. and i took a picture and my hands shaking and i'm like and and the, the next morning we're packing up to leave and i said so you're gonna have somebody like photocopy that for me and send it to me and i'm still like freaking out like did my picture come out am i gonna get and he says no just take it with you <laughs> it's framed on the wall of my of my bar and neither one of us has opened a polynesian restaurant to this day <laughs> but you know i i i work a lot with jim hayward who who does the the blog and and he i do not tell him any of the recipes but he He's, we sort of ping back and forth and I help guide him on, you know, are you going in the right direction or not or whatever. But it's, it, it's one of the things I regret that I didn't get into the book was I wanted to do, pu publish a couple of those recipes just to show how Mariano took a Don the Beachcomber recipe and tweaked it to make it better. And unfortunately, the, the time just ran out. I'd already written the chapter on Mariano and I didn't have time to go back and rewrite it and put this stuff in it. I've, so everybody buy the book so we can get a second edition out, and then I'll I'll put that extra stuff about Mariano in there. But uh, that's a great book. You did a really great job on it. Terrific. You did tremendous research. I know there was a lot of pushback from those that that 
didn't want the stories told for whatever reasons, but uh, but you got through that, made it happen, and uh, if you don't have the book, uh, can you get it on Amazon or anywhere? This yeah, is an yeah. unpaid uh, announcement oh, oh, here. Oh, right oh, get a, you should get it at the Maikai gift shop. That's, a, <laughs> that's the way to get it. I just signed 100 copies a couple of nights ago, so they're, they're well stocked. Um, and and my book, if you don't have it or if you haven't read it, is is inspired by people like Randy and Nani Maka who told me their stories. Now, I did a lot of research, but the research that I did was to fill in blanks about the stories that these folks have shared with me, and that's my passion. That's what I'm doing here today is sharing the stories of the people who lived it. Uh, I think my book is much more readable than the typical history book, and it's not a typical history book because every page of that book is tied to a person that I talked to who shared their memories rather than you know there's an article in 1964 and i'm quoting that it's i'm quoting randy avon and bob van dorp and murray thornton and Todi teratua and all these people who were there and lived it and so i'm happy to have randy here and come to tiki oasis and see him uh tell more stories uh, about his amazing family and his amazing life you We're know, and, and it's really interesting because, and you know, and we've got to set up because I've got all this stuff of moms that I got to let these people see. But you know, Toti, uh, Toti is is in, in challenged health. Uh, Toti is a good friend, still lives here. He and his wife are just wonderful people. Uh, they're they're really good friends of ours. And uh, uh, I I mean, I remember you know hundreds and hundreds of nights of going in and seeing the boys and Toti and that Tuete up there playing that thing, and it was like, wow, this is like so cool. And then, of course, there's the 50 or 60 nights that I got up to volunteer to dance because I wanted to help the girls through their show, you know, so they get, you know, have, get a little of that, you know, that uh, you howly have, in there. You have such the spirit of giving. It's, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a strange version of what your mother did, but it's yours, right? Yes, yes, it's totally different. Yes, you know what? If, Let me my, share the aloha with you, young, lovely lady. <laughs> Yes, it, it's it, you know one of the, my last stories in that, uh, is that um, mom and dad. Uh, dad was a, a CFO before there were CFOs, and uh, mom was in 1938 uh, in Walter Winchell's column. He said the highest paid entertainer in, in New York City, which is pretty interesting as a hula dancer. There was six month wait to get into the Hawaiian room at the Lexington Hotel, so people were calling the governor and mayor and all that to get in and see her. Dad was the comptroller of the chain, and so. He fell, you know, like everybody, goo goo over mom. And uh, at Christmas time, being the Hawaiian thing, she gave all 700 employees of the hotel a gift, and she gave dad a tie. Well, my grandmother, on dad's side, was an opera singer from Austria, so that's that side of the family. And so my dad, this was it. My dad did not have my outgoing personality until the, the, the later years, and uh, and so he went in to see Pulani. To thank her for the tie, you know, the most beautiful tie I've ever seen. And and so that was his that was his opener. And he said, "Oh, by the way, my mother is also an entertainer. She's an opera singer. She's at Carnegie Hall. I wonder if sometime we could have coffee with her." And he probably said it about that fast too, because he was really nervous. And that's how it began. And a year later, they were married. Little church around the corner. Mayor of New York City was there. Walter Winchell was there. And they were married all their lives. 
And here's dad, who is 15 minutes early to every meeting in his life as a corporate businessman, and mom, who wouldn't start getting ready until you're supposed to be there, had 55 <laughs> happy, Hawaiian wonderful time. years together. She still lived on Hawaiian time. <laughs> we have got to break and, and get ready for our, our presentation here at Hukilau, but thanks, Randy, for, for doing this and for being part of my presentation and, and my research and, and being my friend. Mahalo. What a pleasure being here and all the best on your show. Pleasure being on your show here, sir. Can I say something real quick? The first reaction that I have to this particular session is wow. One word, wow. I want to thank you, Tim, so much for setting this up for me, for being a good friend as well. And I especially want to thank our special guests, Randy Avon and Nani Maka. I am so honored that you spent some time with the podcast that you took some time out of your busy schedule and preparing for your presentation to share your stories with us. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Wonderful. Thank Wonderful. You. Thank you. We enjoy Aloha. Aloha. And for all our listeners out there that have any questions, comments, or just want to leave a shout out for our esteemed guests here, please stop by our group page on Facebook inside the Desert Oasis Room. Follow us on Instagram at Desert Oasis Room, at Polynesian Pop. And please, please, please come to the Maikai when you are in fabulous Fort Lauderdale. Let's support this, this Polynesian Palace, the greatest Polynesian Palace in the world. <laughs> Thank you again so much, folks. Wonderful. Aloha. Aloha. Lovely hula hands, graceful as the birds in motion. Gliding like the gulls over the ocean. Lovely hula hands, Kolimanamie. Lovely hula hands, telling of the rain in the valley. And the swirling wind over the pulley. Lovely hula hands, Kolimanamie. I can feel the soft caresses of your lovely hands, your lovely hula hands. Every little move expresses so I'll understand all the tender meaning of your hula hands, fingertips that say aloha. Say to me again, I love you. Lovely hula hands, Kolimanamie.